Hello and welcome to Matanzers, a baseball podcast. I'm Max Tanzer, joined alongside Ryan Medeiros, and we got another jam-packed episode for you guys today, holiday-themed once again as well. But before we get to that, as per usual, we have some headlines to break down, starting with Hunter Renfro signing a one-year deal with the Boston Red Sox, a trade between my Seattle Mariners and the Texas Rangers sending reliever Rafael Montero over to the Pacific Northwest, the Rays signing my guy Mike Zanino back on a one-year $2 million deal, and then Alex Claudio going to Anaheim on a one-year deal with the Los Angeles Angels, and the Rays bringing over Michael Waka, trying to recreate him and bring him back to his 2015 form. Ryan, let's start with your Red Sox bringing in Hunter Renfro, a power outfielder that had a difficult season last year with the Rays at a buck 56, but has had a good track record in the past. What are your initial thoughts on this deal? Well, you know, Max, I'm pretty happy with this deal just because the Red Sox desperately needed a good right-handed power bat in their outfield. Obviously, they have J.D. Martinez, who can play some outfielder outfield. He is a right-handed power bat himself, but it's not ideal to put him in the outfield. He has struggled mightily defensively over the past few years, but you know, Renfro struggled a lot last year. He only hit 156. His OPS was 645, OPS plus of 77. Uh, so not great stats for him. But in the past, he's been a great consistent power bat. 26 home runs, 26 home runs, 33 home runs over the past three years. And he's a guy who can consistently provide power from the right-handed side of the plate. He hits left-handers really well, and he's a pretty solid defender in the corners as well. You're right, and I think the power numbers really bode well for him this season. Uh, next season, 2016 to 19, ever since he debuted and taking out the difficult 2020, he was a career 494 slugger, 788 OPS in that span. Also, 2019 slugged 575 against left-handers as well. So good numbers, reason to think he could bounce back here. As we've been saying the last couple of weeks, you can't really judge a player too hard for just the small sample size of the 60-game season. He had some good moments in the postseason as well. The next one, the Rangers trading relief pitcher Rafael Montero to the Mariners as they as the Rangers now acquire Jose Coronel, who is inserted in the number 28 spot in their top 30 prospects list and a player to be named later as well. For the Mariners, they right off the bat said that they wanted to bolster their bullpen as that was a big struggle for them last year and want to be better this year and at least compete. Um, and, then, you know, by competing, I think that more means, you know, 75-ish to 78 wins, but who knows, but Montero slots in probably as their closer if the season started today from 2019 to 20 a 309 era a whip just below one eight saves as well so he's experienced in that role i like this move a lot for the mariners i know some mariners fans didn't like giving up corneal but he's 17 years old his eta is a little bit longer montero makes the team better right now absolutely and for a team that finished last in all of baseball and reliever war last year that's right worse than the phillies who a lot of people thought were by far the worst bullpen the mariners were the worst bullpen based on wins above replacement any player really who's a solid reliever is an upgrade montero uh fits that bill right there like you said the era isn't great he had a 408 era but that's due to maybe one or two iffy outings uh, he did a solid job closing out games to the Rangers, and he didn't have a whole lot of save opportunities because the Rangers struggled mightily last year, but eight saves in his limited opportunities, and he should be a solid option. Yeah, and it's another former Mets starting pitcher turn reliever, just like Flexen, assuming that the Mariners turn or use uh, Flexen as a reliever this upcoming season. He also had Tommy John 2018 talking about Montero, but it's been very good for the Rangers the past couple of years. And the Mariners doing a good job, you know, at getting Will Vest in the Rule 5 draft, Keenan Middleton uh, this past week as well, another uh, free agent signing, Flexen, and now um, Montero as well. So already some good moves, and they 
don't seem to be done yet, so we'll keep you guys updated with that. Next, a former Mariner and a, a special place in my heart, Mike Zanino. The Rays signed him to a $2 million deal, which is guaranteed then a 2022 club option that is worth between 4 and $7 million based on incentives. The Rays had initially declined his club option for $4.5 million at the beginning of the offseason and now are able to bring him back for cheaper. A good move for Mike as he's struggled offensively, one of the better defensive catchers in Major League Baseball, had a tremendous postseason, and get some guaranteed money as well. Yeah, the thing about Mike, and you know this better than anybody, is he's not going to hit. He's going to hit for a little bit of power, but his average is always going to be low. It's gone down a ton the past three years from 18 to now to 20. He hit 201, 165, 147. So he's drastically gotten worse at the plate average-wise. He's always going to give you a couple home runs. He had a couple 20 homer seasons over his career, but uh, his real value comes behind the plate where he's just a solid presence he's a veteran presence he's going to block balls in the dirt he's going to frame pitches well he's going to throw out runners and he's going to give you that veteran leadership so that's where his value comes no doubt and you got to imagine he's very comfortable with this race pitching staff he's been there for the last two seasons struggled a bit with health in 2020 and i'm sure that's where the incentives incentives excuse me play a role going into 2022 or going into yeah with the club option but We'll see how it works out for them. I like the move. I'm happy for Mike Z. All right, next one, the Giants bringing over Anthony Desclafani on a one-year $6 million deal. Desclafani struggled mightily with the Reds last season, a 7-2-2 ERA and 33 and two-thirds of an innings pitched. But in 2019, Ryan was very good, a 3-8-9 ERA and just about 167 innings. In 2019, this is a tremendous bounce-back option for the San Francisco Giants rotation. Yeah, and we talked about it on last show, not taking too much stock on last year's stats. And if you look past the 2020 stats to the 2019 season, Descalfani, as you said, was excellent. He threw 166 in two-thirds innings. He didn't strike out a whole lot of guys. He only struck out 167. So he's an average strikeout guy based on, you know, Ks per nine, those type of stats. But his main value is going to be coming just, you know, he's a good guy. He controls the strikes on only 49 walks last season and um, or, or the season before, rather, in 2019. But... I think he could be a solid presence, and especially in a spacious AT&T park. I think um, that's a good pitcher's park for him and for a guy who kind of is, you know, on the average side in terms of swing and miss stuff. Uh, having that spacious park should benefit him a lot. No doubt. And, you know, they did something similar with Drew Smiley last year, gave him an opportunity to throw, and he blossomed in a small sample size. This will be a bigger sample size for Desclafani and hopefully an opportunity for him to bring back his 2019 form. Next one, Alex Claudio, lefty reliever, veteran reliever, signing with the Los Angeles Angels for a one-year $1.125 million deal. In 19 innings, he had a 4-2-6 ERA. Claudio is a rare breed now. You know, one of those situational left-handers who mainly come into ballgames to face lefties, but now with the three-batter minimum, his role has not been tarnished a bit, but it makes it a little bit more difficult to bring him in in certain situations. But he was still able to put together 19 solid innings for the Brewers last season and helps out a bullpen that continues to get better and better by the day as Manassian continues to address that this offseason. Yeah, this is really interesting. And You mentioned Claudio being a situational guy, or as uh, you can call these type of guys, loogies, the left-handed one-out guy. So Claudio previously was one of those guys where he'd come in, get an out or two, get, face those lefties, and then get pulled because he was never really effective against righties. And he still really wasn't last year in the 20 games he pitched with Milwaukee. But um, he got a little bit better, and he's one of those guys who induces a lot of weak contact, 
a few years ago or, or a year ago in 2019, he threw 83 games. He led the league with the Brewers, and that was a lot of that had to do with, you know, those one-out appearances, only throwing a couple pitches, made him a little bit more expendable in terms of pitching almost every other day. But uh, he's still one of those guys who can pitch a lot for you out of the pen, and when you want that ground ball, he's a guy you want to call on. Yeah, and teams have been able to make it work still in many circumstances. You know, if there's two outs in an inning, you have the bases loaded, and a big left-hander comes up, there you go. You could bring Claudio in and then bring in that new pitcher the next inning if they have a right-hander on deck. Now, where you get into trouble with is if he were to not retire that left-handed hitter, and then he's facing that right-handed hitter once again. But there's still a place for him, you know, like the Mark Zemchamskis of the past as well, who you don't see too much as often anymore. But like you said, forces a ton of soft contact, gets you a ground ball in the situation you need. And that'll be very valuable for Joe Madden and his Angels in this 2021 campaign. Yeah, I just want to pull up those stats uh, against right-handed pit batters because I mentioned that he struggled against them this past season. He had a 3 ERA against lefties and a 5-4 ERA against righties. So he can improve in that area, and I think the weak contact he induces could help him against righties. He's just got to figure out how to mix his breaking pitches and those uh, type of things to become successful against righties. Yeah, and what's so difficult about facing him is just it's so uncomfortable. You know, he comes from a weird arm slot, a weird angle, almost it looks like he's stepping across his body. And if you're a left-handed hitter, it's almost looking like that pitch is being released behind you, which is why it's so uncomfortable to hit against him and why there's such an advantage, not only the fact because it's lefty-lefty, but because of the effect of his arm angle and approach against lefties. Alrighty, let's move on to our final headline of the evening here. Rays signing Michael Walker to a one-year $3 million deal. Waka was an experiment with the Mets in 2019, a 6.62 ERA in 34 innings pitch. But Waka, as you know, a former All-Star in 2015, had a 3.91 ERA coming into 2020. So this is a guy who's been really good in the past. The Rays have been known to recreate these pitchers or bring them back to their old form using analytics and so forth. I think this is a great opportunity for Waka to get back to that 2015 form. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. And uh, Waka's underlying stats were pretty good. I mean, he struck out 37 batters in 34 innings. He only walked seven. So uh, he was good in those departments. His K-to-walk ratio was excellent. Uh, he did struggle with the long ball, gave up nine home runs last season. And obviously that six six two ERA in eight games, seven of which he started, it does not look very good. And that one and four record kind of glares at you also. But we know the Rays effect, and you touched on it briefly, how good the Rays have been in kind of turning pitchers' careers around and utilizing pitchers to the best of their ability. So I think maybe it'll be interesting to see what sort of pitch mix Waka uses. I think we might see uh, you know, a percentage of uh, his breaking balls jump up. We might see him use his fastball more often. I don't know what the Rays have in store. Nobody really knows because no one's really figured it out as well as the Rays thus far. But I trust their process, and I would not be surprised if we see Waka back to his uh, all star form that we saw as soon as um you know the 2018 season when he had a 3-2 ERA in 15 starts no doubt you know and they're not just good at identifying diamonds in the rough but almost creating them taking a guy who's been struggling and then being able to transform him into this new type of player and hopefully walk is the next example of that Alrighty, let's move to a new segment here. I mentioned that we still have a holiday theme here, and this is a highly anticipated new segment we've had. Uh, the Mantanzerous Holiday Wishlist, which we are super excited to be bringing to you guys today. I mean, cue the music. Let's get in the holiday spirit here. Ryan and I 
put together two lists of three. I made wish lists for specific teams, Ryan made wish lists for specific players and personnel. So we have a little bit of a different approach to this, but it should be fun here. I'm super excited for this, Ryan. Let's start off with you. Who's your first player slash personnel uh, wish list that you broke down? Well, my first guy, I got a special gift for Kristen Yelich this uh, this Christmas season, this holiday season, and I'm getting Kristen Yelich some grass seed this holiday season. And you might wonder, why does Yelich need grass seed? Well, Yelich wasn't finding much green grass this past <laughs> season. He had a 205 average, and you might wonder, well, uh, did he just struggle? Not really. He was third in the league in exit velocity, seventh in hard hit percentage. So what went wrong? Well, the number that jumps off the page is a 259 batting average on balls in play. Yelich could not find any green grass out on the field. He had a 250 expected batting average, which isn't fantastic as I as I mentioned, but it's a lot better than a 205 average. So I think uh, Yelich will be happy to plant this grass seed this coming spring, and hopefully spring summertime he can be finding a lot more green grass. No doubt, absolutely one of the victims of the shortened season. All right, my first team that's getting a big gift this holiday is the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, you know, they didn't achieve much on the field this year, but I think they were good, you know, off the field. They deserve a big gift this holiday. And let's take a look at that first overall pick they have coming up in this 2021 draft and sprinkle some holiday magic and make sure this one pans out. They've had four first overall picks in team history, Jeff King in 1986, Chris Benson in 1996, Brian Bullington in 2002, and of course Garrett Cole the most recent in 2011. None of them accumulated more than an 11 war if with their time in the Pirates, the 11 war being the highest with Garrett Cole. And let's be honest here, Garrett Cole won't be remembered as a Pirate most likely, but more of a Yankee, and if not a Yankee, his two best seasons were with uh, the Houston Astros. So this places none of those four players in the top 90 Pirates players of all time in terms of war. So really, they are looking for a guy here to be a cornerstone franchise type player. And I'll, I'll, I'll give them some slack. It's hard to find that in the Major League Baseball draft. It's a little bit more fickle than the NFL or the NBA. But whether it's Kumar Rocker, Lighter, or some other star, let's hope that they can figure this out and bring in a core piece that can turn what is a middle-of-the-pack farm system into a top-10 farm system. They already added Nick Gonzalez, made some nice trades this past season, the Marte one as well, to try and bolster that, but they're not there yet. This is only the beginning for them, and hopefully, hopefully they can get some good pieces here in this upcoming draft. That's my holiday wish for them. No doubt, and I think there's a lot of good options coming up uh, in this draft, including Kumar Rocker, so it'll be interesting to see who they get. Alrighty, who is your next player on your list? Well, a former player but current manager, I am offering Joe Girardi this holiday season a fire extinguisher. We know how bad that bullpen was this past season. It was a five alarm fire down there in Philadelphia. A 706 reliever ERA and a 1.79 whip, which were both worse in the league by far. They had 12 blown saves this past season. They only finished seven games back of the division lead and missed the playoffs as well. So I think Girardi would love to have a fire extinguisher to help put out uh, some of those fires on the base pass when there's runners on base. I think he needs a high-level reliever to come in. We don't know if it's going to be a Hendricks, a Rosenthal, a Hand, a Colomay. He needs somebody, but I'm offering him a fire extinguisher of his choosing this holiday season. I love it. A lot of options for him and Dabrowski to look over this offseason, so we'll see if they make some moves for that. My next team was the St. Louis Cardinals. We've talked about this a lot. 
Let's go back to a couple holidays ago. They got one of the biggest gifts under the Christmas tree in Paul Goldschmidt, but that wasn't enough. Since 2019, they have picked a hunt, picked up 121 wins, which is the ninth most in Major League Baseball. Have made the playoffs both seasons as well, including a championship series run in 2019. But they've only scored 1,004 runs in that span and put together a 726 team OPS, both of which were 23rd in Major League Baseball in that span. So this team needs some bats. Now, they've already lost some big pieces this offseason, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult. They have to fill some holes here. But this is the division. We've talked about it, Ryan, where the Cubs are stepping back. The Reds appear to be in some financial issues and may have to step back. The Brewers are non-threatening, in my opinion, and the Pirates aren't close to competing. So they could take a shot, and they don't need to go big here with a Chris Bryant or a Nolan Arenado or even a Marcelo Zuna if they want to throw him back in the outfield, assuming no universal DH. They can get an Adam Duvall, a Robbie Grossman, a Tommy Listella to replace Quentin Juan. Even take a bet on a guy like Nomar Mazzara to bounce back. There's options out there, and they need bats, and this is an opportunity for them to jump on, in my opinion, a fairly open NL Central. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember <clears throat> when we made our free agent predictions, I had LeMahieu going there, not so much because I thought they would do it, but because I thought they needed it so badly. So I like that holiday selection there. All right. Who, who's your last and final player on this list? Well, I have a nice tandem of players. And, you know, okay. these guys are so near and dear to our hearts. Uh, Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve, I'm offering them each their very own trash can this holiday season. I'm just <laughs> going to be so joyous and giving. Altuve just seemed to really struggle this past season. His average dropped from 298 to 219, so maybe he was missing some of those bangs. And, uh, you know, Carlos Correa, who was so, uh, you know, so vocal himself about how, how much he didn't need it, his OPS dropped from 926 to 709. So I'm thinking they were missing this tra their trash cans from that 2017 to uh, 2019 time frame there. So that's why I'm offering them each their very own trash can. For the holidays. I would say give them some coal too because they were so naughty but they lost coal last season so that wouldn't work right? Oh. <laughs> Alrighty let's move to my final team. This is the Minnesota Twins and Ryan these this is the pure definition of the good guys. They haven't won a postseason series since 2002 and have lost to some of the most hated teams. The New York Yankees the evil empire can't give them a break. The Houston Astros eliminating them, eliminating them this year like you said, just after the cheating scandal, they can't catch a break. These are good guys on this ball club, and that's why I think they need to bring back their good guy in Nelson Cruz, who was by far their best hitter last season, OPS well above 900, uh, that helped them stay on pace to win that AL Central. Now, is this too much to ask for for the Twins right now? Potentially, you know, it may be their Red Rider BB gun, right? But I still think they have an opportunity to compete here. Uh, they should be good to compete, especially if they expand the postseason. DH, as of now, only being in the AL, doesn't hurt at all either. I know they have some holes, but Ralphie got the BB gun in the end, so hopefully the Twins get there. Nelson Cruz as well. Absolutely. you got to love that. Uh, Cruz is such a huge part, not only in their lineup, but in their clubhouse as well. I know you know him so well from his time with the Mariners and just what a great clubhouse guy he, he is. So besides his production on the field, I think it would be a nice holiday gift to get his personality off the field as well. Yeah, and being a little more realistic here, too. I mean, they've lost May already, Odorizzi, Rosario due to having to non-tender him, Whistler. So there are some holes to fill, but they have um, some good prospects coming up. We saw Kilroff in the playoffs. Um, so we'll see We'll see how it works out for the Twins. But I still think that they could push for a spot, even though the White Sox are clearly the favorites in the AL Central. All right, before we wrap up our show today, I wanted to go over some 2021 logistics here. Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, released their first portion of their schedule for 
national televised games this season. Again, this is not the complete schedule, but just the bulk of it here. There's some interesting games on here, Ryan. I wanted to get your take on them. We have the Chicago White Sox and the Los Angeles Angels opening it up for us being the headliner on April 4th. That's going to be a really fun one. Two teams that have been active this offseason. Obviously, the White Sox more than the Angels, but the Angels still pushing for an AOS championship. That should be really fun. We see the Padres here highlighted a couple times. The Yankees in here against the Mets, which should be a really fun matchup just based on the Mets' uh, promise this entire offseason. Your Red Sox are in there a few times as well. What games are you looking forward here the most as we enter 2021 uh the game that jumps off the page to me has to be that white Sox angels matchup because you know sunday night baseball and we've talked about this before always seems to have those big market teams like the yankees versus the red Sox and the cubs cardinals not so much that those two are a big market team but they're they just seem like they're always on so uh, it's refreshing to see two different teams, two exciting teams, as you mentioned, matched up. And the White Sox and the Angels, I think, will both have a little bit of, you know, push this season to go for it just because both of their divisions are a little bit weaker. Uh, they both got um, fan bases that are really anxious to get uh, far in the playoffs. Uh, the Angels are just anxious to get into the playoffs again. But I think both fan bases are going to be excited, and it could be an exciting matchup for uh, both these teams to try and get their season off right. No doubt. For me, it's got to be the Padres. The Padres in the past have never been highlighted nationally, and I thought, we're, I think we're honestly a team that were forgotten by many, you know, uh, non-intense baseball fans around America here. So letting them get this opportunity to shine with the promise that they showed last year uh, will be really fun, and I'm happy they're getting that national recognition that they deserve. But overall, it should be fun. I know there are some teams that would like to be highlighted, like the Rays, for example, were in the World Series and are not in one of these games yet. But a reminder, there is still time. This is not the entire season. Is really they only have April, May, and July fully scheduled, not even June yet or August and the majority of September. So there should be still some time for some teams to make their way and earn for a spot to be on the national spotlight. And guess what? You get in the national spotlight no matter what if you make the playoffs. So that'll be big as well. No doubt. And we're excited for this upcoming season. And uh, we know you guys are excited for the holidays coming up as well. So we wish you guys all a very happy holiday season. And Max and I will be coming back to you guys the day after Christmas, next Saturday, per usual. And uh, again, once again, a happy holiday season to everybody. And we hope you have a fantastic week.